than here. Uh, we did go deer hunting yesterday. I'm going to tell this story on Caitlin. She asked me to tell it, and I'll explain this. She got on a big monster buck. Now, most of the time, we just, you know, our whole family just lies to you most of the time. But I'm telling you, <laughs> this is the truth. Ask her. He was a big, big boy. And he's actually so big that the guy that had the place said that it's the biggest one he's ever had on his place. And when he was telling us about this deer, he said, he's on a little pickup, a little ranger pickup, and he, this is no kidding, he says, that deer's so big, he sticks his hand out of the pickup window on the ground, goes, that rack is like this tall, measuring off the ground. And he's in the pickup. That's how big a deer it was. A little under 300 yard shot, she hit him, but then we lost him. He's lost for right now. But we looked and looked, and she hit him, and he was in some unpicked corn, and he spun around and went down, and I thought he was down, and then he went through the corn, and then he moved into some CRP because he was still moving, and so we lost him. Now, I say that story because of this. After, this is no kidding, after she shot him, before we realized we had lost him, and we were going through the corn stalks, I'm going to tell the story on her today of a little mistake that she made a couple weeks ago. She said, you can use that story, but you have to tell them about my deer hunting story first. And it was 300 yards. So that's my little, you know, deal of why I can share the story. I'm afraid I'm creating a deer hunting monster because I was laying in bed this morning. She comes in this morning and she's got a picture off our wall of a muley deer and she said, this is the size of my deer. With like that crazy hunter voice. I was like, okay. So it is the season. Well, we are going to go on today, and we have been in this series, of course, for several weeks on breaking the chains of addiction. And if you're visiting with us this morning, we've talked about stopping this addiction, whatever this addiction is in our life. And as I've said over and over again, maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, I don't have an addiction. As far as, you know, most of the time what we think of as addictions is alcohol or drugs these things in our life are destroying us, but as I've said before, we all have something in our life, something that controls us in a negative way outside of Christ. And as we've talked, addictions can come in many different forms, and they are things in our life that are both conscious and unconscious, and they are not always the bad things of the world. Of course, I've used the illustration of exercising. Exercising is a good thing, but it can become something in our life that we are addicted to and is controlling our life. And what might be an area of addiction for me may not be for you and vice versa. We've talked about the definition of addiction and it's being unable to stop. Even in our lives when we realize that there are some negative consequences, we are unable to stop whatever this is in our life. And it's a pattern of uh, just a behavior that we have now used in our life to deal with pain and hurt, unhealthy way. But ultimately, it's a choice. And it's a choice that leads to a behavior that's in excess, which then puts us into bondage. And that is an addiction. And we've talked about, hopefully, hopefully through this series, that we are dealing with the root of it. We're dealing with the root of it, which is a heart condition, not just the symptom. Because when someone is doing something in their life, whether it's gambling or over-exercising, overeating, drugs, alcohol, it's usually because there's something else in their life that's wrong. And of course, we know it goes back to the heart, and there's something wrong with their heart. 
So we've had these different steps and I've had the illustrations up here to represent each one of those. And so we went through them every week. We're gonna go through them quickly today. Somebody tell me what the first step is. The first word, the first step is to admit, and that is what up here. Of course, it's the mirror. And so we get to the point where we look at the mirror in our life and we say, whatever this is in my life, I'm no longer able to manage. It's controlling my life and there are some very severe consequences. And the first step, the first step in any situation being resolved is that you need to admit that there's a problem, whether that's your marriage or situations with your kids or even health situations. If you're not feeling well and you know that there's a problem and you just deny it and hope that it's going to go away, it's not going to unless you deal with it. But you first have to admit there's something wrong. So the first step is to admit. The second step is what? Believe, and that is the chair. The chair represents to believe. And that is, we came to believe that there's a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. And the chair represents resting in God, trusting in that, that he has a desire and the means both to help us in this area of our lives. So once we've admitted that we have a problem, we have to look to a higher power. The third step of the 12 steps is release. And that is the rope. And that is letting go and letting God. And that means that once we've admitted that we've got a problem, once we realize that we cannot solve it ourselves and there has to be a God that needs to help us, then we need to release our lives over to Him. Our will and everything else in our lives that we've been holding on to, we need to turn it over to Him. The fourth step is inventory. And that is the clipboard. That's an honest self-examination, evaluation of my life. And I look at my life and say, there are some good things in my life, but there are some things that I need to clean up. And so we've made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, which leads us to step number five, which is confess. And that is revealing our true self. And of course, that we admit to God, to ourselves and to others, we've got some issues. God, these are some issues in my life and I need to start to deal with them because you cannot deal with them until you're honest with yourself. And then the next step is to turn, which is step six. We turn the opposite direction. We agree with God. We're, we are entirely ready for God to remove this stuff in our life. It's the word repent in the Bible. It came to a point where we say, I'm sick and tired of whatever this is in my life, and now I'm turning from it. And God, I want you to remove it. Which then is step seven, which is the remove, and that is the scalpel. That means that we are ready now to have God transform us and purify our character. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. doesn't mean we're going to do everything right the next day. But we're saying, God, now I'm turning from this and I want you to remove it in my life. And then step eight was last week. Which is, it's the list. Can't really see it up here, but it's this list. And we've sat down. And now we've had God deal with this stuff in our life, and now we're going to start to make some amends to other people. This is part of the 12-step program. And so we're writing out, these are people that I have offended, these are people I need to start to make some things right with, which gets us to the next step today. Because until we start to deal with some of this stuff in our life from the past, we're not going to move forward. Which leads us to step nine, which is where we're at today, 
and that is forgiveness. Now, the AA 12-step program, they probably wouldn't teach it like I'm going to teach it here today. But I believe the step here that needs to happen is there needs to be some forgiveness. And what that is, it's healing the hurt from our past. Because as I've mentioned before, most of the time we're in these addictions because we've got some type of hurt in our past. Most of the time it starts when we're very young. And we start to have these addictions because we're dealing with the pain. And that is the way that we deal with the pain. I've said this before with my mother. I can look back and, you know, she said that she started to do drugs, alcohol, really heavily, probably at the age of around 14 when she was able to get it. And I believe it's because the pain that happened prior to those 14 years, now she was trying to deal with it. And this is the way that she dealt with it. She would try to numb it. She called it self-medication. Now, I think through one of her treatments that she went through, they gave her that term, and so she was able to use it, so it kind of you know, justified her behavior, she believed, because it sounded better, self-medication. But she never dealt with this past hurt, and it really was not dealing with forgiveness. So it's this today. It's the I'm sorry sticky note, which I'm going to explain that I'm not really happy with this illustration. I, I don't know what else to do for this, so I went with this. But it's more than just saying I'm sorry we're going to talk about today. It's more just sticking a note, you know, than in somebody's, you know, lunchbox or on the refrigerator and saying I'm sorry. There's got to be more behind that. We're going to look at the scripture in Matthew 6:12. So this is step nine of the 12-step program. May to direct men to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So we're going to now, we've made this list, and now we're willing to start to make some amends. So what is to make amends? What is an amend? We've talked about that a little bit last week. I want us to clarify it. Really, an amend is a change. It's not just an apology. As I just said, it's not just saying, I'm sorry. Now, that's a good first step, and it might be part of that, but it's not just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever I've done. Because a lot of times, those apologies are very hollow. And especially to somebody who's been maybe damaged by you or your behavior for, let's say, 25 years, and now you're just going to say, I'm sorry, that doesn't carry much weight. And a lot of times, if we just say, I'm sorry, there's not really any conviction with it. There's not any really heartfelt change. I mean, it's like if you have kids. You got kids that are young and then they're fighting and they're ripping each other's face off in the back of the car and you say, you guys apologize to each other. Have you ever done this? You've had multiple kids, little kids? You say, apologize to each other. Now, they'll say that they're sorry, but do they mean it? I'm sorry. They don't even move their lips. I'm sorry. 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 They're only saying, I'm sorry, because you're making them say, I'm sorry. That's it. It's the only reason. And so people know that if you're just saying, I'm sorry, and not backing it up with any actions, there's not much behind it. What an amends is, is a clear and purposeful act designed to clear up a problem from the past. More than just saying, I'm sorry, there's something that you're doing to try to rectify this. Now, what does that look like? I don't know. It can be 10 billion different things based on what your actions have been. How are you going to start to make this right? 
And as I said last week, there's a lot of times you can't make it right. How was my mother going to ever repay me for a childhood that was totally just messed up? How are you going to do that? What is going to be the price tag? What is that going to look like? She cannot pay that debt. She cannot pay that off. She cannot make that right. But when I'm making an amends, I'm doing something. More than just saying, I'm sorry. But in this, I must humbly ask for forgiveness for my wrong actions. And then go on. So when I'm making amends, yes, you're not going to be able to write a check. Maybe you are. But I'm going to make it right, and then I'm going to choose to move on. I found this picture I thought was hilarious, and I know you're not going to find it as funny as me, but it's a Kool-Aid guy making amends in the 12-step program. Do you remember this guy? He would crash through the walls all the time on the commercials, the Kool-Aid guy. I knew you were going to appreciate as much as I did. I laughed about it. Then we're going to go back, and now that we're going to try to repair the damage that I have done in the past, and that means I might actually have to do some work involved with this. So really when it comes to this 12-step program of AA, number one, you're dealing with our relationship with God. And then the second part is we're dealing with our relationship with ourselves. And then the third step is where we're at right now. We're going to start to deal in these relationships with other people. So as every week we've talked about, this is the work of step nine. And I truly believe it's about forgiveness. Not only from others, but forgiveness for ourselves, forgiving ourselves, which can bring healing to both parties. I'm, I'm going to start using a lot more dog kitty pictures. The way things have been going, I know that that just really gets everybody pumped up, some more dog kitty pictures. Shane's been having them on his Facebook. I just look at, things go wrong, I just look at the pretty kitty picture. It's cute. So hopefully we're going to start to have some forgiveness, and that is releasing the resentment that I'm carrying from the past. And what this is doing in this step is it removes this tremendous weight of guilt, shame, and remorse that we are carrying. People will beat themselves up, even when they've gone through this process, if they haven't made things right with somebody. Have you ever had that happen where you're just laying in bed at night, not thinking about how you're going to get revenge on that person, but you think, oh my goodness, that was so, I can't believe I did that. Years later, it's still bothering you. You're hoping not to see that person. You're hoping that it just, just goes away, but it's still there. That you know that you did something wrong and you owe some type of amends to that person. And hopefully we're taking that monkey off our back, so to speak, and we're dealing with this. But hopefully, we're cooperating with God to re rebuild our character. Because if you're making amends, if you're making things right that you've done, you're going to grow up in maturity. And remember last week, I said the work was to grow up in maturity. People who never make amends, who never make things right for even their mistakes, do not grow up in maturity. We have an entire country, as I said last week, that people make mistakes, they just make mistakes, or sometimes they do them intentionally, and they are never held accountable for their actions to make them right. You know, I, I look at the North Platte Telegraph and you have people that commit crimes. I mean, there are some pretty hideous crimes that they have in there. 
and they get time served, you know, they get what? They've, they've been in there for six months, they've been able to sit down and watch TV all day, have somebody give them food. They got two cats in the jail down there, you get to play with your cat. And then they get out, there's no restitution to the person. We're just paying for them to be on vacation. I keep telling the girls, I'd like to go to jail for a little bit, you know? Just to, just to go for a little bit, you know, not for a long time. Just to hang out. There's no restitution that's being made. This is a story I'm going to tell on Caitlin here. A couple weeks ago, um, when they had the pastor appreciation, we knew that I didn't have to preach on Sunday morning. So we're going to go on our date night. Stacy and I have once every 11 years. <laughs> so we left the girls at home, went to Kearney. Now, before we left, Caitlin cleaned out the stove, and it had fire in there previously so there was some hot coals in there she had them in the metal bucket and I told her as I've said 103 times to my girls do not dump those hot coals on the ground in the trash on your sister's head on anything well we're gone the cell phone rings and it's Kelsey and she says hey dad uh, we're in the process of putting out a fire Well, get with the process. That means like we're halfway through the process. She's like, the dumpster's on fire. It's burning. Galen decided to take the hot ashes and put them in the dumpster like when we were driving out the driveway because, of course, I don't know anything. And so the dumpster caught on fire. It burned up and melted the lids. I mean, the whole thing was, I mean, the paint all came off of it and everything. I have to tell a story on Cassie. The girls run in and said, the dumpster is on fire. She's in the shower washing her hair for four hours. And she's like, tough, deal with it. I got conditioner in. I don't know who I was more frustrated at. They'll go tell Cassie, the kitchen's on fire. Tell me when it's getting towards the bathroom. I'm doing my hair. Hmm. God love teenage girls. <laughs> but Kaylin last week spent the whole day with an orbital sander, sanding that dumpster, and then respray painting it with the spray gun. And so, and Mike's hooking us up with some new lids for it. So, we're getting it restored because we're I'm too cheap to pay for it, and she's too cheap to pay for it to be restored. But in that, I share that because it was it was a mistake. Say she didn't listen to dad, I will say, but, but there has to be some type of restitution. You have to take care of it. And if you want to grow in maturity, now that is fixing a dumpster. But put that in the context of things and relationships with other people. We can either say, I, who, I'm, I don't know how that thing caught on fire with lightning. Or we can say, yeah, I did that, what she did, and said, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to fix it, especially if it's going to come out of my money. I'm willing to put the time into making it right. And that is what builds character and maturity. And so this step is about forgiveness, but the work of it is that we're rebuilding our character. And this is really, I believe, biblically the purpose of this step is. Our purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and to the people around us. How are you going to do that if people that you are trying to minister to, maybe it's through family members that you've treated wrong, your own children, your own spouse, 
how are you going to share the love, the hope of Jesus to them? The gospel, which we've all been called to do. If you're somebody that has hurt them in the past and never tried to make it right, they don't care what you have to say. They want to see a change, and that changes. You know what holds a lot of water with people is that you are trying to make something right. And that is why I believe that Jesus shares this in Matthew 6.12. If you know the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives this Lord's Prayer. He gives a model of how we are to be praying to God. I don't think it's something that we're supposed to be just emptily saying all the time and, and just say it just because we're just going to mumble through it. He has some words of wisdom here, and he says in Matthew 6.12, part of this prayer, he said, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Trespasses, sins, whatever translation you have, I like debts here. Because what Jesus is saying is here, he said, you know what, you have been forgiven so much by God. Your sins have been forgiven. And now you need to forgive other people. Now I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I did this for six weeks, a couple years ago on just forgiveness. The Bible has so much on forgiveness. But if we're not forgiving other people, even when they have wronged us. We don't really understand what God has done for us. We don't understand the forgiveness that He has shown us. Does that mean that I'm just going to forget that it ever happened? Absolutely not. True forgiveness is actually remembering and still choosing to forgive. And sometimes it's just absolutely dangerous to forget what somebody has done. Because yes, they might be somebody that's going to do that again. You need to be on guard for that. But we're choosing to forgive this person. Because that is the problem. We, just, we don't forgive other people. We don't know how to ask for it because we don't understand it biblically. Because it's truly God's forgiveness. I've shared before what my definitions are for forgiveness. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is a result of a wrong done against you. I'm choosing to forgive you even though that you have done something wrong against me. Another one I like is forgiveness is willingly. Willingly living with the consequences of somebody else's sin. So you're saying, how does this fit into this step? Because this is about forgiveness. Am I, am I asking somebody else for forgiveness? Am I showing them forgiveness? And the answer is both. When you're making these amends, you are asking for forgiveness. You're asking that person to forgive you for the debt that you have now with them. But in doing that, most of the time we're having to forgive them also. Because most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, I don't want us to go crazy with this trying to justify it, but most of the time we have a debt against them, they have a debt against us. Most of the time we've retaliated back maybe because it's something that they've done to us. And we're getting to the point where we're forgiving. And that is we're li willingly living with the consequences of whoever I'm asking for amends their sin. And as kids will say, that's not fair. It's absolutely not fair. But I tell my girls, this, they don't even say, I've said this before, they don't even say that's not fair anymore because I tell them, life's not fair. You've got it figured out. Good, that's the first step. So they don't say it. Sometimes they get it from kids at school and then they come home and say, that's not, oh yeah, life isn't fair. For God. And we're living with the consequences. It's not fair, but we're choosing to forgive. 
We're going to cancel out somebody else's debt that they owe us. Releasing the pain from within our hearts because that's at the root of this problem. And we're paying the emotional pain that others have caused us. We're paying for that by forgiving them. And so, in this step nine, that is what we're doing. We're healing the hurt from the past. And as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul says this. He says, be kind and compassionate to each other. He says, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He says, this is what you're called to do, Christians. He says, you need to be forgiving each other. Based on the model of what Christ has done for you, he has forgiven you through the cross. Hopefully we understand this. And he's saying, now you need to forgive others in that same way. It's interesting in this passage here when he's talking about forgiving each other. In the Greek, it means giving a gift. He's saying here, you are a blown out shot sinner. And God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for your sins. He gave you a gift. You cannot earn this gift. You're not worthy to earn it. You don't have enough money to pay for it. But he gave you a gift. He said, this is the gift of forgiveness. All you have to do is accept it. And in the same way, he's saying, you need to give that gift to others. And when you say, they don't deserve it. No, they don't deserve it. Well, they owe me. Yes, they do owe you. How are they going to repay you? And that is when you say, I'm choosing to cancel out their debt. Because when it comes to forgiveness, really there's three elements. There's an injury, there's a debt resulting from the injury, and hopefully there's the third step, and that's canceling out this debt. And so when we're making this amends to somebody else, a lot of times we're having to make this decision for ourselves. We're having to forgive. Because this is the other side of it. Every week I've shared the 12 steps to being totally, completely insane. I like step number nine here got direct revenge on such people whenever possible except when to do so would cost us our own lives or at the very least a jail sentence. I don't know, just maybe just go full bore, just go for the jail sentence too, just, I don't know. That is the insanity. And if we were honest, that's a lot of times how we live. We want revenge. And that is the alternative, which is bitterness. If you're choosing not to make amends, you're choosing not to forgive, the other side of that is bitterness. And of course, we know in Hebrews 12, 15, God says this through his word. He says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness bringing up causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. He says, you've got to wash this bitterness in your life. Because if you're not dealing with bitterness, you are going to destroy yourself and everyone around you. What are addictions? I believe a lot of times it's because we don't understand God's forgiveness. We hold on to bitterness. We try to insulate ourselves, our hearts, with this addiction. And so we destroy ourselves and everyone around us. Talk about insanity. Somebody else harms us, they hurt us, and to get back at them, I'm going to destroy myself and everyone around me in the process. That's a really good plan. Like a government plan. Destroy myself, destroy others around me, to get back at someone who probably doesn't even know that I'm doing that. 
Because this is the definition of bitterness that I've shared before. Bitterness is a continuing negative response to an apparent negative experience. It's a cycle. And something has happened to you. You are angry. You're bitter about it. We hold on to it. We don't forgive. And then it goes around and around. And you have another party that's doing the same thing in their life, this cycle. Another definition of bitterness is bitterness anger is anger frozen in time towards another person because of an offense committed. So now we're going to stay angry and we're going to continue this bitterness cycle in our life. And I've shared this before. How does this bitterness develop? Well, we get wounded. We've talked about that. We feel hurt. We feel confused. This happens when we're children. And then we seek to avoid this pain. This is the third part here that really affects us in our life. Something happens to us in our life. We are affected by it. We're confused by it as children. And then we seek to avoid this pain with whatever makes us feel better. This thing that insulates our heart. And then we become defensive and we grow revengeful in our hearts. Because then we are protecting ourselves and we want others to pay. And it's not just the person that offended us, it's everybody. Everybody owes me. Especially if they're the same type, you know, the same type of people that maybe have hurt us in the same type of way. And we were instantly bitter at that person. And if we would ask ourselves, why do I, why am I so bitter? Because that person reminds me of my parent, my grandparent, whoever that is. So what are the steps to prepare for step nine? Well, the first one is that we need to ask for God's wisdom and judgment. And that's a careful sense of timing and courage. When we're going to make some type of amends to somebody else, we need to ask God for wisdom. Because first of all, maybe we shouldn't be making an amends. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Maybe it's something that we shouldn't even be bringing back up with that person. Maybe we don't actually even make, need to make an amends to that person. We just believe wrongly in our life because of this wrong thinking that happened as children that we are in the wrong when we are not. And so we need someone to help us. And most of all, we need some backing because we need some courage because it's a very intimidating thing to try to make amends with someone who doesn't really like you or even want to talk to you. Possibly. And of course, we've talked about this before. There's four primary ways that God speaks to Christians today. And we need to go through these. And that is to understand His Word. We need to understand His Word when we're going to make an amends. What does that look like? We need to listen to that small inner voice that God uses to speak to us. And we see that in Scripture. And we need to seek advice of other counselors. Somebody who's more mature. Somebody who we can trust. And by circumstances. All these things need to be in play. We need to seek God when we're making this amends because it's so vital to our lives, but it can be so damaging to somebody else. Because as I said, there are some conditions that this step carries, and I believe that these are a biblical condition here. When it says may, make a direct amends to such people whenever possible, we need to understand that there are situations that keep us from making personal contact with somebody. Hopefully, I don't need to go into those and explain them. We're running out of time. But it's probably not wise to contact an ex, whether that's an ex-spouse, an ex-girlfriend, to try to make these amends. Because if you're contacting them in their life, you're probably going to cause more problems. 
Another possibility <clears throat> might be that person might be deceased. They might be dead. How are you going to make amends to someone who's now dead? And there are times when you cannot do that. But regardless, we need to make that amends in our life, and I'm going to talk about that and how we're going to do that in the next step when we're talking about preparing. We need to understand that when we make amends with them, it can create more problems. And so, as I said, we need to avoid creating more problems in somebody's life. I've heard people say, well, it's part of the step, and I need to do it, and it's for me. This is not about you. This is about the other person, and you might be causing more problems. So here are some points here. I put them in my own words. The AA's got a lot of points for this. There's a lot of material on. I believe these are probably the heaviest ones that you need to consider when you're making this amends. Number one, we must have forgiven both ourselves and the people we injured. Even when we feel like that we want to retaliate, we need to go back to biblical forgiveness. We need to forgive ourselves for the situation, understanding that we made a bad decision, we were controlled by our emotions, circumstances, our addictions, our wrong thinking, and we forgive ourselves and we say, I'm going to forgive myself, but I'm forgiving you also. You go into a situation, you're going to make amends, and you still are holding bitterness and anger to that person, it's not going to go well. Like I said, it'll be like the kids that you know, beat on each other in forgiveness, asking for forgiveness. I, I should do that with my younger brother. There was a situation where I, we ended up fighting because we were, you know, boys and we were brothers and so that happened. He actually ended up rolling my pickup three times and I didn't have insurance on it at the time. Liability is all I had. And so we got into it and I ended up smacking him in the mouth and his lip went whoop like that and split right down the middle. And I said, I feel bad about it. you need to put some ice on that lip. And he's like, no, it's fine. I'm not putting any ice on I said, you're going to put ice on that lip. And he's like, no, I'm not putting... I said, you're going to put ice on that lip. And I, so I started pounding on him some more. He's like, all right, I put ice on my lip. Quit pounding on me. I'm trying to send things right here. I care about you. I'm, that's why I'm beating you. We do that. We try to make amends. But in the process, I'm trying to make... I'm trying to tell you I'm sorry here. I'm going to knock your teeth out here in the process. I'm trying to make amends because we're holding on to this bitterness in our life. The second step is we need to have an idea when we have this encounter where we're going. What we want to say, what we want to accomplish. I guarantee you because I've been involved in this process, don't wing it. Don't wing it. It does not work out well. Because in the process of you winging it, you will say things and do things that you didn't think you're going to because you still have that anger and bitterness there. And especially if that person isn't reacting like you thought they were going to react. Don't expect them to say, I'm so glad you came to me and making this right. It's not going to happen. And so you need to be ready for what you're going to say. And when we're saying this, we're not going to blame, we're not going to assign this responsibility to the other person that we injured. We're going to own it ourselves. And that means that we must have thought through the possible consequences and what it's going to look like. Now, you're not going to be able to think of them all, how this person's going to react, but hopefully we've thought through some. 
Because if we're caught off guard and that person is now reacting in a way that we thought, you know, they were just going to accept us and it was going to be kumbaya, my Lord, and everything's just fine, and now they're not taking it so well, and then at that situation, we're making things worse. And that means that you need to possibly sit down and rehearse with somebody. I've done this before when somebody is going to make an amends that they sit down and I pretend to be the person that they're going to make the amends to and they try to do it. Now, it's awkward, I realize, and people are like, I don't know. But I push their buttons a little bit just to see how they're going to react. And if they're not ready to even talk to me about it, I, I have nothing to gain or lose by it. I don't, I'm not holding any angerness towards them. And I can set you off, then you're really going to be set off by the person that you've injured. And you need to be ready for that. The third and last step is we need to be open to any response that we receive from that injured person. Ready to accept their response of anger without becoming angry ourselves. And we are not there to manipulate them into forgiving us. Because some of these people feel like you've maybe controlled them their whole life, and now that you're trying to control them into forgiving, and they're going to fight you against that. And that means we're resisting pointing out, as I've said, what they did to provoke us into me owing now you this debt, because that happens so much. We're only there to talk about our own behavior, and it's also a good idea um, to talk to that person before. If you don't see that person on a daily basis, or even if you do, you need to tell them. I need to sit down with you at some point, and I need to share with you um, an amends I want to make with you. They have the right to know that. Because if you catch them off guard and just show up one day, one situation I can think of is a guy showed up at somebody else's place of work, and he tried to do this at work. Didn't give them any heads up. They hadn't seen this person in years, and then you... Just the seeing of your face puts shock in their system, let alone you showing up and trying to talk to them and trying to share your men's. And they're like, I can't figure out what the deal is. They're not accepting my apology because they don't want to see you. And now they, you know, you've hurt them in the past and you show up at work after this many years. They think you're there to shoot them. And they're already on the defense. They don't want to listen to a word that you have to say. And they have the right to refuse to talk to you. But you need to leave it with an open invitation that whenever that they want to talk, whenever it's convenient for them, you are wanting to talk to them. And the other part of that is, when they're ready to, you better make yourself available. Because it's not comfortable for them at that time. Every week I've closed with a heart condition, and as I've said over and over again, this isn't some type of magical pixie dust prayer here. But this is the heart condition behind it. If we're wanting to change in this step, it's saying, Lord, I pray for the right attitude to make my amends, being mindful not to harm others in the process. I'm not doing this to get revenge. I'm not doing it to hurt them. I'm doing it with the idea. I'm doing it for them, but I'm also doing it for myself in the forgiveness process. I ask for your guidance in making amends. Most important, I will continue to make amends by my actions, helping others and growing in my spiritual progress. If you really want to make things right with people, because sometimes, it, as I said, you're never going to be able to write them a check or, or to do anything to pay for it. 
You want to make amends, you want to see people, you know, forgive you, start to change your actions. Start to change how you behave in all areas of your life, not perfectly, but you're going to start to change that and people will start to drop that bitterness, hopefully, towards you. Does that mean that they will? No. Because as I said last week, you cannot control somebody else. You cannot control how they're going to behave, their response, their actions. The only person you can control is yourself. That's the only person. And how you respond to that person is the only thing you can control. So the question I leave you with is, is there someone that you need to make amends with? Is there somebody, and as I said last week, if somebody else was writing a list of people that have hurt them, would you be on that list? Would they write your name down as somebody that they feel like owes them a debt? But now I'm asking you, I'm putting the ball in your court. Is there somebody that you feel like, you know what, I need to make this right. I've needed for a long time to make this right. I'm carrying this guilt, this shame, this remorse around. I'm not able to grow because, truthfully, I have bitterness in my own life, and my step in forgiving them is for me to make an amends. Not for me to sit there and say, I'm so entrenched, I'm not going to budge one bit until they make a step towards me. I'm going to choose to forgive them. Close the word of prayer, Lord. I thank you that um, as being the ultimate God, that you don't hold our debts against us, that you were willing to send your son to die on the cross for our sins, and that we don't have to pay off our salvation, the gift that you've given us, because we know, Lord, that there's no way that we can possibly do it. And Lord, if we can start to grasp that in our own life, that truth, that biblical truth, which is what the whole entire scripture is about, the whole plan of your salvation, and we can truly start to implement that into our lives towards other people. And the way that we're going to start to do that, Lord, is we're going to start to make an amends with other people. And whether we're struggling with addictions or something in our life, Lord, this applies to all of us. Even if we're just at this step nine, we're just doing step nine, we're saying, Lord, I've, I've wronged somebody, I, I realize that, and now I need your guidance, I need some advice, some counsel from godly men and women, how to make this right, because I don't want to carry this along in my life any longer, it's weighing me down. And Lord, then I pray that we would have the courage to make it right. And as I've said, Lord, you know the situation of the people sitting here and the the situations of the past, a lot of times there's no way we can just pay that off. We're asking them to forgive us. And even if they choose not to, we've made that step of amends. And then we can move on and we can say at least that we've dealt with it, we've tried to. And however they responded is not up to us, but we're going to move forward in our life. Lord, we give you thanks once again that you've loved us so much that uh, you're willing to forgive us. And every day we fail you. Every day that uh, we make bad choices and you still choose to love us and you still choose to work with us. We give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.